Hello again, sisters. We are going through Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and this is actually part 2, where we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 8, where Jesus himself humbled himself and came to be a servant to all, and how we can look to that great sacrifice of his so that we can walk in greater unity and love with one another. I hope you enjoy it. Hey family, welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally one day, I got fed up with living in defeat, and I became determined to find the Jesus of Scripture. I discovered true faith in Christ and had to unlearn much of what I had been taught. With God's Word and His Spirit, I have been free from anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years, and I have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses. God's Word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's Word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. So we have verse seven. Okay, so we go on for who being the form of, I'm sorry, verse six. So verse five, let his mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider a robbery to be equal with God. Jesus, to say that he is the form of God is literally saying, I am God. I always was, I am, and I always will be God. But he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He is God in the flesh. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. But Jesus is not the father and the father is not the son. Hence the triunity or tri trinity or Godhead, if you will. So what he's saying here is he positionally, he positionally was, is God and he is, his personal identity is God, but he was willing to lay down his position for a season to come down here and have a new position. What is that new position? Bond slave, servant, and become lesser in the sense of position 
to God the Father. He was willing to come down here, put on it to, to become fully human. He didn't let go of his divinity. We'll talk about that. Become fully human to be spit on, to be mocked, to be beaten. See, the father didn't go through that. The father didn't come down and become spit on and beaten and mocked. Jesus did. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Positionally, he submitted his will to the will of the father. So personally, he is still the person of God. He is still the second person of the Trinity, fully God. But positionally, he changed his position from hanging out in heaven, being uh, in glory, positionally with the father and comes down and now takes on a new position of bond servant, of slave. And this is so beautiful. And I love this because Jesus is God. And Paul understood this. All the apostles understood this. The early church understood this. The scriptures clearly teach this. Jesus did not cease to be God when he came down here and put on the human tent. He did not cease to be God. He never ceased to be God. And he always was God. He created all things. All things are created through him, by him, and for him. Colossians. So verse 7 but he made himself of no reputation. See, God could have came down, put on a human tent and then build a whole empire, right? He could have just taken out Rome and become the new Roman uh, emperor. He could have become the head of J Jerusalem. He could have taken out the, the, the Sadducees and Pharisees and the high priest because he is the high priest and he could have just built kingdom, but that's not what he came for. Not this time. That's next. Next time he comes, he's going to have build a, he's going to bring forth his kingdom and we have a new heaven, a new earth. And he he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords forever. Woo! Cannot wait for that time. Okay. So, but he didn't give himself a reputation. He came as the lowest form in that society, which was taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. That is Oh, can we grasp that for a minute? God himself, the creator of the universe, who told the ocean where to stop, who told the mountains where to pee, who put every star in place, created this vast universe that we can't, it's infinite, can't even explore it to its completeness because it's just infinite and just profound and it and, and, and has scientists and biologists and just just studying it their whole lives and they're still only scratching the surface. Wasn't that long ago we just discovered DNA. And then we have these little machines that are literally like their own little factories. Each DNA is its own little factory of uniqueness. It's a building block. It's magnificent. We're discovering more and more the magnificence of God. And here he he came down from glory to save God-hating, wretched men and women like you and me. To be a servant. He could have came down and, like I said, gave himself a reputation and, and saved us, if he so choose. He humbled himself and became a slave to us all. And he came as a man to identify with us. 
his creation, his prideful, arrogant, self-centered, me, me, and more of me creation. Blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And you have to picture this, what Paul is saying. Remember in the upper room, the disciples are sitting there arguing about who is the greatest. They're standing in the presence of God, their Savior, their Messiah, and they're arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom. Who's going to be best? Who's going to be the greatest one? What does Jesus do? He takes the towel of a servant's, a servant's towel, he wraps it around himself and bends down and starts washing their feet. These prideful, arrogant men who have been walking with him all these years, who have seen the greatest humility and love and teaching and miracles, and they are arguing about who is going to be the greatest among God. The only person in that room and ever to walk this earth that deserves to be served is God. None of us deserve to be served. And yet here's Jesus stooping down and doing the work and the job of a servant in that culture to wash their dirty feet. And here's what Paul is bringing back to their remembrance when they're having disunity, when they can't lay down their own pride and egos and preferences and how they want things done. They can't think bigger than themselves. And, they're will, and, and, and these two women are willing to wreck what God is trying to put together, what God is trying to do in that local church and that local community of Philippi and how that community can touch other communities that then touch other communities that can touch the world if they would just remain unified. What are they arguing about? Who's greater? Which woman's greater? Who's the better cook? We don't know. They don't tell us what they're arguing about because you know what the matter at the end of the day, I think they purposely don't, God purposely doesn't tell us what these two women are arguing about because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They're still causing division and it could very well rip the fabric of this church apart because they can't think of others greater than themselves. Their minds are off Christ. Their minds are off what Christ himself came and did for you and for me and for them so that we could have this unity and family and community so that we could go and build the kingdom of God together. And being found, verse 8, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and came, became obedient to the point of death, even the death God came down, 100% God. He did not leave his deity. He did not let go of his deity. He was still God. And then he puts on a human tent and becomes 100% man, becomes fully man. And that alone is so humbling and so mind-blowing. He didn't just stop there. He served while he was here, day and night, 
leaving all of himself, everything that he had. And he had, he was limited in his, in his earth, in his, um, in his uh, human nature. He still thirsted. He still got hungry. You know, his body would have gotten tired. He poured himself out day and night for his disciples, for the people that were following him, for the crowds of people who, who needed him to continue to teach and, and, and point them to the father in heaven and the new kingdom that's going to come. And, and he poured himself out, but then he humbles himself even further by being completely obedient to going to a criminal's cross. If Jesus just would have wanted to teach us and, and guide us and give us a pattern to go after. No, he went further than that. He willingly went up to a criminal's cross with no offense, completely sinless. They mocked him. They, they bared false witness about him. They spit on him. They beat him so mercilessly that he didn't even... He didn't even appear human by the time they got done beating him. He was unrecognizable. They plucked his beard and pulled his hair and put a crown of thorns on him. God, in the flesh. He could have called a, he could have called a, a, a legion of angels to stop it all. He could have just nudge the whole earth right then and there and just destroyed everything and started over if he wanted to or not start anything ever again. He's God. He can do what he wants. But his love for you and for me kept him on that cross. And he died. He drank the cup of wrath for you and for me. I was the sinner. Who's the one that owed the debt? I'm the one that blasphemed God. I'm the one that that was prideful and arrogant and 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 a sinner and a fornicator and adulterer and whatever. Put your name in. I'm the one. I'm the one that deserved the criminal's cross, not Christ. But he humbled himself. This is what Paul is trying to get us to understand. Humble yourself. you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you're going to be a servant to all. You want to be a child of God? It's going to cost you your own desires, your own, your own will, your own everything. He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross so that you and I could be set free from sin and the penalty of sin and be reconciled back to the Father. And here we are, here they are, arguing about things that don't matter. They matter, but they don't matter. You know what I mean? We're dividing over things that we should never divide over. We're, we're, we're tearing down what God is trying to build up because of our own selfishness. I want to do it my way. I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to have to submit. I don't want to submit to the elders that God's put in place. I don't want to submit to one another. I don't like how he teaches. I don't like how she teaches. I don't like what, you know, that music that they're, I don't like, uh, see, what, what do you, what's the common theme there? I, 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 
That is not what Jesus was saying. It was not I, I, I when he put, came down from glory and put on that tent. It was you, you, you. It was about Father's will and Christ submitted himself to the will and he came willingly for you. And that's what Paul's trying to get their minds back on this perspective. That compared to whatever it is you're arguing about right now, ladies, whatever it is you guys are, are, are causing division about, whatever it is you've let the enemy come in and, and, and do, please don't let it rip apart the unity and the love of this of this church that God has built together, that God has built up, that the Holy Spirit, what he say in the beginning, that the Holy Spirit has brought into fellowship. He uniquely chose the different people to bring to this one church in Philippi and then to do his work with it. To be a family. You didn't choose your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters and your aunts and uncles and your cousins, right? I chose that. It's no different. God chose the local body. God chose your brothers and sisters and your spiritual mom and dad and your, your aunties and your cousins and the kids that were going to come to get. God chose. And he put us together. And he said, love each other, stay in unity, and go build my church. Go build my kingdom. But what are we doing? We're not thinking of others greater than ourselves. We got selfish. We get prideful. And we took our minds off Christ. And off the word and the commands. And that's exactly what happens. And that's what was happening in this church. And it was very concerning to Paul. And it, and it didn't, he wasn't going to do 10 points on why to stay in unity or five ways to avoid conflict or six ways to deal with conflict in the church. Cause that's what we would do today. We'd have our, our, our we'd have our, uh, you know, our pinpoint thingy up on the screen and we'd have these six bullet points and conflict re resolution and ways to communicate better. And right now that's what he did. Paul didn't do that. He reminded them of the God that they serve, of the God that saved them. He brought it back to Christ and reminded them what it means to be the church, what it means to be in Christ, what it means to be a family and a community and what Christ first did so that we can too do. That's what Paul did. He's taken it back to the cross, back to Christ. Because we need to grow up we need to mature in this area as a body, as professing believers. We need to repent and turn from the division and the disunity that we've allowed the enemy to come in and cause in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, in families. And we need to get focused back on Christ and him crucified. Focus back on the job, the ministry of reconciliation that's been given to all of us as a steward. Because the church has lost her witness. The, the church, especially in the West, has lost her witness. Because we don't love one another and we're not walking in unity. Oh, we can walk in uniformity. We're good at walking in uniformity, put, laying down a bunch of laws and man's traditions and regulations. And it's all uniformed in that. 
but that's not true unity. True unity is being able to look past our own selves and to love somebody right where they're at and stay unified with them for the greater goal. And we can only do this with the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit. But if we're not submitted to the Spirit, Romans 8, Romans 8 then what's going to happen? Exactly what the enemy wants to happen. This unity. So that we can't accomplish what God has ordained for us to accomplish. Has called us to accomplish. There's lost and dying souls out there that need the unified church to come back together. There's a lot of broken families and broken people. And there's a lot of broken Christians that are alone and, and hurting because of the selfishness and pride of others within the church. And we need to come back together. Universally and locally. Amen. Right? Amen. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.